Hey, this is Chuck Elkazian, and you're listening to the fabulous Rock at Night. Our guest today is a celebrated producer engineer in metropolitan Detroit. With a long history of successful collaborations with artists both local and international, he's also the owner of a long thriving recording studio in Metro Detroit. Please join me in welcoming to the Rocket Night Airwaves, fellow Detroiter Chuck Alcasian. Chuck, welcome to the show. Hey, Lenny, how are you, brother? I'm doing very well. I'm thrilled to have you on, man. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm absolutely honored to be on your show, sir. Chuck, you've got a resume that sparkles with projects with high-profile clients and some people who are maybe not as high-profile but are you know, very pure in what they strive to do. Who are some names that you've worked with that our audience might recognize? Oh, wow. Some, some really fun ones. Let's say uh, Mitch Ryder, Trust Company, Soundgarden. Um, Soundguard. Yeah, yeah. Chris Cornell. That was a that was a that's some good stories right there. Um, Pop Evil. I broke Pop Evil out of mm-hmm. Grand Rapids, another home state band. Yes. Um, I've had the luxury of working with Bob Seeger. Um, God, the list goes on. Lots of hip hop artists from uh, all over the world. Um, Eminem. Jeez. I'm just trying to think. You put me on the spot. I should have probably had Uh-oh. a cheat sheet together. Um, no, that's that's quite a roster onto itself. That's that's amazing because you rock. You know, again, Pearl Studios and your and your and you know your your body of work. It really has a profile certainly in the Midwest. But people don't realize that you've actually had your fin- your footprint, your fingerprint on so much work that's gone big internationally. Well, it's been it's been a blessing. Um, as as all the mentioned bands um i also have worked with a ton of young producers and engineers working with bands like asking alexandria bless fall uh i prevail icy stars um sean paul becky g and i'm pretty i'm pretty diverse you know i've done a lot of christian uh contemporary music i've done a lot of gospel music i think it's a product of our environment you know being engineers and producers and music creators it's you kind of have to diversify and, and have those individual silos of, you know, creativity because in the end, it's, it's, it's why we do what we do is, 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 is to make great music and make people smile. And most of your projects were at your home studio in Metro Detroit. Tell us a little bit about your sonic home court or palace, as it were, Pearl Sound Studio. <laughs> the, the mecca of the Midwest. No. There you go. <laughs> no. Well, well, Pearl Sound was originally built in the early 80s late 70s by a good friend of mine ben gross who i'm sure most of your listeners know mm-hmm. uh, he's just one of the world famous producers and and he's a great friend a mentor this room was was developed and built out of necessity mm-hmm. because at the time 
you had the punk and new wave scene and remix scene was just taking off huge. Right. And so Ben was, his thing was, he was in the remixes and he basically built Pearl to mix, but it's crazy. The building is close to 12,000 square feet. Drum, my drum room is 5,000 square feet, <laughs> you know, of just, you can get like eight seconds of reverb on it with a ton of compression if you want, yeah, you know? And that's crazy. It's, it's really cool. The room's flat within a half a dB, the control room. Wow. Um, a gentleman, gentleman named Bob Hodis comes out and he brings his computers and lasers and he takes a whole monitor section and mm -hmm. doesn't matter if you've got a pair of, you know, cheap, cheap, uh, I'm going to turn this down. Um, if you got a cheap pair of monitors, a jam box, a computer, a TV, or mm -hmm. the best TAD monitors that we have on the wall with Perot amps, it's flat within, geez, uh, literally like a half a dB to a dB. So when you leave this room, you know, most studios, they make it sound really good to get excited while you're recording. My methodologies are a little unorthodox in the sense that I, I mix backwards. I face the other way. As you can see, my Pro Tools monitor is behind me. Interesting. And, and I tend to listen like a fan when mm -hmm. I'm working. So if I don't like it and I don't want to repeat it, hear something cool, uh, I'm not happy with it. You know, I don't yeah. fixate on like one little thing at the monitor, you know. And um, Bill Spector used to do that, interestingly. He used to actually verify his mixes by playing it through like an AM radio. And at the end, if it didn't sound good through a, something that a kid's going to listen to in his car or walking down the street, he thought, what? It's not going to sell. Sounds like you've got the same approach there. And I think I did it subconsciously. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of my friends have real expensive monitors, barefoot monitors, you know, not knocking any of the monitors. I mean, I have all that stuff too. It's like, as we as the headroom and the, the fidelity of all these DAWs gets better and better and better and better and better, right. you know, our recording medium is has such headroom and clarity. It's like you almost have to be careful mm -hmm. that you don't over clarify. Things sure. Because, yeah. you know what too I'm clinical. saying? Clinical. Yeah. Yeah. Too it becomes clinical. Yeah. So yeah. But, but, but but I get to I digress. I apologize. No, when no. you leave when you leave this room you're not you're not excited for the most part because you 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 know your mix sounds really good because it's yep. flat but there's no extenuation of highs or lows or mids so right. that excitement factor doesn't really come into play until you get out to the car or you take it home and you start listening to it on something you're familiar with then you're like holy crap this is like he wasn't lying to me when he told me it was going to jump out of the speakers it's interesting it really is and that's my hardest that's my hardest challenge I think nowadays is you know I so respect and love young generations for I guess I, lack of a better term I've last few interviews I've done have been I've been calling them the laptop generation you know um, where they don't know how to cut tape they don't really necessarily understand signal flow or the the <clears throat> art of recording shall sure I the workflow of it right the workflow which is an art within itself, let alone great song writing. Indeed, indeed. And um, it's interesting because I've been trying to embrace their thought processes and their their logic behind loops, buying pre-programmed 
keyboard parts that are right. MIDI tracks because they don't even know how to play a C major C2 mm-hmm. on the keyboard. You know what exactly. I'm saying? And I'm trying my best. Um, see, I'm almost 50, so I've, I'm kind of like, I grew up with tape. I grew up with sampling. I grew up with sequencing when you could only get 100 notes on a 808 or a sequencer. But I also grew up with DAC and Pro Tools and Sound Tools and now Pro Tools Ultimate where I can have, I have like, I don't even know how many interfaces I have where I can have literally like the DSO mic'd up and have like 900 mics and folder it and have it organized. It's, Indeed. It's, it's, crazy. it's crazy. And we'll talk about this a little later on, but it sounds like you've got a, a foot in both camps aesthetically, but the spirit of recording which is yeah. just as important to that in, to working that that intangible magic that happens when you're recording, which is not just things that are psychoacoustic, but that are kind of like the, the collision and the modulation of these things together. That, that's really what makes that intangible magic that's recording in the end. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're you're comfortable in both areas to, to facilely grab and marshal that to synthesize as it were and use that to your advantage because you got again, you've got an ear in the legacy of of music but also the current day of music. Well, it's, it's, it's such a great topic. Um, uh, a young lady once asked me from Mix Magazine, how do you, how do you fall in that middle area and, and, and function? Because if you're at a level that I'm aspiring to be at, well, you know, I hate to say I'm at a level because I'm <laughs> really not that guy, but I, I, I find it difficult to um, retain my 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 trad values, my traditional values. Yeah. Um, and then, but I find the workflow of the new technology to help me as a songwriter opposed to a sound writer. See, back in the day, we went through this period where in the 50s and 60s and 70s, we were great songwriters. Right. The 80s, we became sound writers. Yes. You had your Ultravoxes, your Duran Durans, your XTCs, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Baltimore's all these really Absolutely. cool cutting edge bands. You know, the specials, whatever. But then you figures on a beach, even right, totally, totally. But you know what's interesting? But you still had your Romantics, you still had your Knacks, you still mm-hmm. had your Steve Millers, you still had yep. Bob Seegers. So there was this juxtaposition where it wasn't confusing. It was just, it was just really interesting, and you you could fall one way or the other, mm-hmm. and everyone's had great successes with both. So it's really, right. it's, it's, it's really, you know, you can't really quantify what's right or what's wrong. You know, you just have to blur into it. It's it, it is. And those boundary, when you don't have that, that rigid kind of boundary, but you can be a bit more fluid or protean, mm-hmm. you can be successful in summoning different influences. And that's really, I think you could argue that the music has come from Detroit historically has been able to channel all those and really to, to show some of those things. So it's not purely like, garage rock where it's not purely like you know just techno by itself you have because mm-hmm. people are talking and we have that kind of culture there in that community you actually right. have that that kind of hybridization that kind of uh, collaboration there i think i think what that word you just touched on hybridization like i mean i've mixed so many amazing techno records i've worked with um tony Chirac. i've worked with derek may really um you know, Kevin Saunderson. Yes. Um, I mean, techno was invented in Detroit. Okay. And, but then 
I have the luxury of working with producing Mike skill from the romantics right now. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, which is, which is like, and he's turning me on to the punks and all these really like cool post post riot bands. Right. And, and then here's this little kid who grew up me listening to kiss going to the Michigan <laughs> palace, dressed like Peter Chris, <laughs> you know, you know, sticking my tongue out. Cause I, I think it's, so there's this, there's this, it's really cool thing. And with Motown, see, I think people in Detroit, we're more, we're more together. Everyone calls it the city of crabs. You know, everyone gets like, it's trying to one up each other and stuff. Right, and right. I don't really see it that way. I, I embrace, I embrace the cultural, the musically cultured, shall we say like, like right. there's, there's some sort of cultural indifference all the time. It, it, it regardless of, our political situations right. and things of that nature. Indeed. Um, we're, we're always going to have moments of unclarity. There's always going to be a little hair on the lens. I think if we step back and, and we love the music, I think that's going to really help people to kind of, you know, yeah, think about it, like get together. Like when Barry Gordy started Motown, right? You know, yeah. mm-hmm. it was just, he was just twisting out muscle shows, you know, style, just, you know, Lamont, you know, yeah, Dozier and, and all those guys and Paul Reiser and, and all these amazing humans playing the Funk Brothers. I mean, everyone talks about the Funk Brothers, but but you're forgetting that there are songwriters involved, too. And there exactly. are artists that were playing and singing their hearts off and they were touring and they right. were loving life. Um, and unfortunately, some of them weren't necessarily taken care of, as we know. Indeed. But. I work with a lot of their children. Ooh, interesting. It's very cool. One of my one of my favorite clients. She she used to do a lot of jingle work for me. Her name is Beth Griffith. She was on The Voice, and Dad was Johnny Griffith, the piano player. And and we we would talk just about you know, what was it like growing up, you know, with Aretha Franklin coming to your house, or you know, Martha Reeves, or whatever. And those were those were moments. You know, see, and, and that gets me to this start is I think we all create musical moments um, in this city more so than a lot of cities because we do have that cultural, you know, diversity. Let's touch upon the impact of COVID-19, a common conversation in the entertainment industry these days is how professionals like yourself are coping with quarantines and economic challenges posed by shutdowns. How has COVID-19 impacted your workload chuck oh well first off let me say um thank you to all the people on the front lines for busting their ass for us and yes i i we all have our different beliefs about what's Mm -hmm. going on in our country right now but i do know that this is a real thing and i've seen i've had some friends pass away from it on and um I just want to thank everyone who's risking their lives. And I don't know about you, but there's a lot of doctors who are really tired of wearing a mask for the last five months. Indeed. So before I get into something that's as, as so minutia as mm-hmm. music, this building and you mm-hmm. and me, we have to know that our human life is, I think, extremely important we don't have that there's no reason to make music it's really affected me our state was shut down like literally shut down Mm -hmm. where to the point where 
you were only allowed to go to the grocery store, gas station, a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, you were getting pulled over by the state police if to be checked. If you didn't have a letter of of direction, purpose. that's uh-huh. purpose. Um, if you weren't a um, a business that was needed at the time, or you know, uh, they were they were making you go home and. Our governor, you know, it's hard. Some people think our governor didn't do a good job. Some people think our governor did a great job. But I'll tell you what, I didn't really want a bunch of sick people around me Indeed. while I was recording. Um, it was interesting because I actually started to get busier because I was getting mixes from all over the world ah. because people were recording at home. And I was starting to files from japan Hmm. indonesia um uh england all over you know america you know united Mm -hmm. states like people were recording stuff and they're like now's the time i want to see if i can i'm home can do something at home and really try it and they had some luck you know um but to be honest with you vlad i mean that human interaction in the room Mm -hmm nothing's really going to replace it yeah. because a lot of people need guidance, you know, um, not because of their skill level, just because I think some musicians are so good. They don't know when to stop or they're, they, they, they're questioning themselves constantly and sure. it's in their nature. You know, I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're crazy people, musicians, you know, indeed. It's interesting. Um, some, some of the people that have contacted me have um, actually hired me to consult during COVID really um, on a gentleman's level with the intent of once COVID went away that they wanted to make a record. So I did a lot of pre-production probably with 20 different label bands, indie bands, you know, just kind of gearing up because I think 2020 has been a write-off for most musicians. Um, it's a terrible thing. Um, but I think the powers that be made us all kind of calm down and stop and realize (laughs) how blessed we truly are, you know, um, without getting political by any means or, you know, spiritual or anything like, but, um, you know, I try to be PC as possible because I believe that everyone's feelings are just that and they're valid. You know, um, I really think someone around us wanted us to kind of step back and, and I'm getting that down. sense too there you know I hate to say there's a purpose to it but there is something that some kind of cosmic or maybe natural message maybe it's the earth itself you will see what's happened with pollution in this time and how it's decreased have have you seen and when you get a second go on Google Earth I forgot if there's a lot li- there's a live feed for some of the areas they have like a a beta version of it or something mm-hmm. yep. uh, if you look in lake superior yeah you can actually see i said over 20 to 30 um shipwrecks like barge like big freighters that mm-hmm. have crashed over the years really you, you can see i don't know what down in florida it's as humid mm-hmm. as it is here but i'll mm-hmm. tell you this much when spring smashed here, I've never seen my grass so green, nor have I seen 
my peonies, my all our flowers, all our bushes. Everything is so vibrant in color and 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 just the air we're breathing. It was like my allergies. I haven't had a I don't think I've sneezed more than ten times in the last five months. Man, we could me and you could talk about I feel like I'm on the Joe Rogan show right now. I'm digging our chat. Thanks. Are you finding that the majority of your work these days is with clients from southeastern Michigan? Or is it really international and all over? And what styles of music are you seeing with your clientele? Honest to God, it's it's so ambiguously diverse. Like I mean, like 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 yesterday I mixed on Sunday I had a client um I mixed a single for a, a Netflix movie that was a gospel song. And mm-hmm. then like today I'm mixing like Swedish death metal. I mean, it's really, <laughs> it, it's really kind of funny because I'm, I, I can chameleon into the moment. And I think mm-hmm. that's a sign of a good mixer, producer, engineer, mm-hmm. musician. Yeah. musician. Right, right. Don't forget. Indeed. Um, you know, you can be a session cat right. and, if you don't know how to play all styles of music, you're not going to get called. Yeah, that's true. You know, and it's, I find it very interesting that people aren't, um, stepping back and realizing, you know, how much, how much chops really do matter. But yeah. I don't think chops, chops, when I say chops, I don't mean Ingve shredding. I was about to mention Ingve Malmsteen, so that's funny. You should. But I'm talking about reading charts knowing how to you know the national number system you know right. knowing 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 chord structures knowing feeling an eight bar phrase feeling mm-hmm. a 16 bar phrase feeling right, a right. four bar intro a two bar turner it's it should be an eight it should be an eight in your in your mindset and uh i'm a i'm a drummer and a piano player for 40 plus years and i think i think my mother every day god bless her um that she enabled i was i was so blessed to be able to have a drum set because i showed a liking to it i mm-hmm. I, I had a piano in the house yeah i i i understood melody i understood rhythm i understood goosebumps the goosebump factor like yeah. when my mom would put on the bgs <laughs> or i'd listen to the fifth dimension or kenny rogers or queen all that shit just made me get all gooey inside i felt like a melted chocolate bar after i listened <laughs> like everyone gives me shit because i love the stylistics do you know the band the style yes i do yep you make me feel brand new you know exactly that right right philly philly band oh my goodness gracious you got you've got an amazing falsetto singer and a full voice singer and and the marriage of the two in that one song and the and the chord structuring that as a kid i remember my mom going shopping at Sears or, or Hudson's or, you know, whatever back in the day and yeah. running around under hiding underneath the racks of clothes and hearing mm-hmm. the music in the background and hearing those songs. And it just made me stop in my tracks and go, what the hell is this? Like, what? Wait, I want, I want this. I, I, I don't care about my Tonka trucks right now. I want to, I want to feel that magic that I'm feeling, man. Ah, so it struck you at a very visceral elemental level then. Oh, by all means, by all means, I certainly, I certainly found my childhood vacillating on, on things that I had no idea what the hell I was even hearing. But it goes back to what you're mentioning. It's the accident or things that are incidental, very, uh, 
ephemeral, you know, just like in the in the haze, that you can find moments like that. It's amazing. And I try to instill that into people nowadays. You know, if I get a young band in here, I'm doing pre-pro, we even touch an instrument, I ask them what their intentions are with themselves, then their intentions with your band, yeah. their intentions with your songs. Right, right. And then, and then I do this Uncle Chuck thing where I pull up YouTube. Yeah. And I start from the Andrew sisters all the way through Phil, all the way to Sir, Sir George, all the way to, you know, the stuff we grew up with, you know. Yep. And it's funny. I played, who was it, Missing Persons at the Us Festival doing... Destination Unknown? Destination with Warren Cucurello, um, with uh, Dale, ba- or Dale, Dale Bazio, Terry Bazio. Yes. And, and she had Slurpee Cups as a brassiere. Right. Yep. And and this young lady who I was working with goes, oh, my God, she totally stole from Lady Gaga. And I'm like, this is 1983. And she was like, oh, my God. And but I I at least got her to open up her eyes and go, look, before there was Madonna, before there was even a Live Aid or a Holiday or a Burning Up, Dale Bazio and Terry Nin, you know, and uh, I mean, are you kidding me? I mean. You gotta go to those places. You you don't know where you're going unless you know where you came from. Those two bands really resonate with me. I was a massive Berlin fan, so I can really relate with. Oh, uh, I'm I'm so jazzing right now. I uh, I'm I'm supposed to do a song with Mike Skill and Terry. We we wrote a song, and I'm like, we were supposed to do it at the end of the year last year, and Terry Nunn. Yeah. And what? she agreed to do a song with us. And we just did a song with Wayne Kramer, which was like, uh, oh, my. So um, pardon my French, but like that was the shit. And, that um, is. And Terry, I mean, like she wants to do like a remix of Talking in Your Sleep. And she's like, see, the thing about the 80s bands, I di- can digress a little Please bit. Please do. They supported each other. Mm-hmm. mentally they were mike mike skills married to cheryl hanglin who was in the tubes pray prince right right exactly okay, cool. yep well there's there's more songs than that but that's the one that probably everyone knows so right. they all held each other up on a pedestal mm-hmm. and there's a lack of that now yeah instagram holds up artists you've got djs that are more popular yeah than the artists themselves on Instagram. Are you kidding me? Are, are you serious? No, uh, it's you know, it's a sore point with me. Sore point with me. And I'm going to tell you something. And unfortunately, it's the big business that has created that. You know, um, you don't have disc jockeys anymore that will take a chance on Rush and spin mm-hmm. it. What's her name? Yeah. That young lady. I forgot her name. This really, really sweet lady. I think she may have passed away. Um, I was watching the Rush, Rush documentary, and everyone was scared to play them because they were super prog time. And she started spinning, like, I think, like, with John Rutsey, like, Finding My Way or something, like, you know, and mm-hmm. they just took off. You know, they started touring with Humble Pie, Black Oak, and Kiss, and right. Brampton, and, and none of that's happening anymore. All these really cool stories. Um, I was blessed to do the last Ivan Kral record. You, no. Yes. 
as he's just passed away last year. So Ivan and I became very close, and his wife, Cynthia. Mm-hmm. They live in Ann Arbor area in Michigan, and in Prague in Czechoslovakia. Right. And we had the number one record in Prague in Czechoslovakia for like six months. Wow. And I, I have to say that's like almost like my greatest claim to fame because this man told me stories about David Bowie and mm-hmm. Jim Iggy and Patti Smith wow. and, and CBGBs and all of the, the love. And this is before Studio 54. This is before. Sure. And the stories, the stories he told me were so mind-blowing. Like how they used to write. Like he used to live with David Bowie during during like hunky dory and spiders and the whole shindig right wow space oddity ivan crawl wow like can you imagine like like hanging out with bowie and like it's like nothing it's like no one's business like it's just like writing going out having a pop you know whatever um and another connection i had to david bowie with that was um i just did a remix for ava cherry who who sang who sang Young, Young Americans with Luther and, and Golden Years. And what a blessing. Just like, you know, I've worked with so many great young, like Warp Tour-esque bands. So many bands that are like, I guess, prominent now in the modern rock scene. Right. And um, I, I truly enjoy those moments. Man, but, but to hear the stories of like how David Bowie was almost freaked out to call Nile Rodgers because he didn't want his music to change. But Ivan was telling me that he wanted that funk element to his music because he felt like the, the European thing that was happening in the early eighties wasn't his deck. Sure. You know, like, like, like the big countries and the, yeah. So what's he do? He's like, ah, I like this studio 54 shit. This is cool, man. And he's like, I want this. I want to move. I, I, and no one's watching me, but I'm bouncing my up and down like a funk meister. That's where it started. And then, and then here we go. Let's dance. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Niall. Oh, I'm going to bring this, this kid in. His name's Stevie Ray Vaughan. He's going to shred guitar on your guitar, on your solos and your record. David Bowie's like, what the hell's a Stevie Ray Vaughan? And then Ivan says he walks in the control room after he hears the solo, Bob clear mountain throws the faders up. And David Bowie starts crying. He's like, this is what I've always envisioned in my head. Who the hell says that? What kind of, where are you going to hear those stories? And I miss him dearly, man. Ivan was such a kind soul. If you ever go on my Facebook page or on my Instagram, just Chalcasian, you'll see pictures of me and Ivan. And he's such a hugger. He always called me Bubba. He'd say, he'd come in the studio. He'd bring me, he's very organic. He had a garden. He had a rabbit. He had a pet rabbit he'd bring with. And he was always so kind. He'd be like, Vlad, I swear to God, he would just be like, Bubba, what, 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 what are we going to work on today? <laughs> what, what are we going to work like, Should we do vocals or some guitars? And I'd be like, let's just record a song. And he'd be like, yeah, but it's no fun. I want to do some specific. And that's just like, I mean, I can't ask for any more. Like, like if I never made another record again and I started programming Linux as a career or something stupid i you know i'm just saying you know i'd be cool i'd be cool you know i think 
I think that um, I hope and I pray that more people in the world can experience those types of moments. Yeah, you've been blessed with that experience with such a spectral circle of people, and you've had impeccable timing. To some degree, it sounds like you're kind of like Zelig, like Woody Allen Zelig. Perfect. You you hit the nail right on the head, man. You couldn't have hit it harder. I'm blessed. Yeah. Like I, I mean, like like sometimes I wake up and I go, okay, I'm going to work in flip flops, shorts, and a t-shirt. Yeah. But I'm going to change. I'm going to change millions of lives indirectly. Indeed. With the help of the artists I'm working with, with the help of beautiful people like yourself oh, who spread the word, who who enjoy music so much that um, that it, it's in your blood mm-hmm. to want to do what you do. Yep. Um, you know, like you said, you're a gearhead. You know, you're into the whole recording thing and all that. And and and, and to me, that is a that is a gift. And and so many, I guess, normal people who don't listen to the technical side of music and just enjoy music. Um, you know, we're the stuntmen of the music industry. There you go. Behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. What about lower profile client collaborations that perhaps didn't see the charts but left you and the artist satisfied? Any memories of those that come to mind? You know, it's it's funny. Um, God, that's a really good question, man. You, that that's really that's that's heavy. Like you might not think it's really heavy, but to think about it is heavy. Um, the common thread amongst young artists that I work with, yeah, if they're going to be successful, yeah, is they stick with me. They keep the relationship mm. for the knowledge, yeah, the brotherhood, mm-hmm. the the caring, the loving. Yeah. It's a lonely world out there alone as it is. Yes, it is. But add music to it. It's like, shit, I need someone to help guide me, hold my hand. Um, most of the bands that have come in and worked with me that have, I guess, maybe snooped and poached some thought processes yeah. and moved on on their own are kind of failing right now mm-hmm. or not even together and yep. the ones that, the ones that are kind and loving and fill my fridge with water or buy some toilet paper or whatever mm-hmm. are, are just kind human beings in yes. general right bring me a bring bring the studio some bagels and some snacks or whatever for the day um that goes a long way to, to show their clarity their mm-hmm. focus on themselves because if you live in a cluttered mind, if your mind is cluttered and you're and you're a kind of semi know-it-all, I have this feeling you're doomed for failure. You know, you're destined for failure. I you are because because you just you've got blinders on, and I don't know where it starts. I don't know where it ends. But all I know is the younger bands. I, I mean, I've broke some really cool bands. I'm not gonna lie. But what always gets my goat is I've never forgotten where. Whom, whom or who has helped me when I was younger. And I feel that the newer generation of musicians, they, they, I call it, God, I just made a post about it today, um, something about amnesia. Finally, if you had to characterize the hallmarks of a classic 
Chuck Alcasian production, what would they be? I think um, from a sonic standpoint, mm-hmm. from a sonic standpoint, I tend to get that my my mixes and my recordings sound rich. Yeah. Now, the definition of rich could mean full, mm-hmm. fidelity, um, everything has its place, kind of. Yeah. Uh, yep. Be it be it my OCD tendencies, my Capricorn mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. mindset. Um, yep. I think that I try to bring out the best of a song by by making everything strong, and like I I look at it this way. There's a lot of people who will think like uh, I'm going to answer your question in a minute. Um, Take your time. I'm kind of answering it in a roundabout way. Um, I'm a guy who's like, if a guitar part really doesn't belong in a song, yeah, I just yank it. But if mm-hmm. it's doing so- something to make me rewind, rewind the song, yeah, and 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 listen to it again, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all about, I'm all about it. You know, like I'm going to bring it out as best as I can. Got it. So, if a drummer is playing a cool groove and the hi hat is like a Stuart Copeland kind of thing, mm-hmm. and it's happening, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of going to focus a little bit on that because mm-hmm. that's what's building the pulse of, you know, I always think of um, like Jeff Percaro, how he used to play. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. everything everything was just all about the song, sure. all about the song. The guy could have yep. just shredded everybody to pieces. Cool. Mm-hmm. Go listen to Rosanna. Go yep. listen to Lido Shuffle. Like right. seriously, dude. Come on. Any of the yeah. wall for that matter. He was all over the wall. Yep. And Sonny and Cher show. Really? He was a drummer on Sonny for Sonny and Cher. Did you know wow. that? When he was like nineteen. I... Wow. Not surprised, I guess, but people don't know that. Wow. I think I can't really I can't really say I have a favorite record that I've ever recorded that I would like be like, see, like, like take Ivan, for instance, that was just yep. like me and him playing bass drums and like, like a kick, a snare and a hat and then a right. piece of guitar and some really yep. nice strat. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Is it the best Sonic record I've ever made? Probably not. Is it the most loving, tearful kind Full of, full of balloons and whipped cream and <laughs> good stuff. Right. Daisies, yeah, it is. And those are kind of the memories I want to keep in my brain and my yeah. hard drive. But then I've made, you know, cutting the drums for Asking Alexandria with Joey Sturgis, right? One of the greatest like metal producer mixer guys. You know, right, it's like right. that's a shtick. You know. He's like, how'd you get those drum sounds? You know, like, and I'm just like, you just, you go to a great room and you, and you blast off, man, you know, and you get great tones. You, know? you operate from the know. gut. It's from the you gut. Operate. Yeah. I don't know. And then, and then when I play drums, I like to think that I'm thinking about the song too, you know, as a mm-hmm. producer yeah. and, and, and the piano, you know, I'm by no means Liberace, mm-hmm. but you know, I can play. I can play what's right for the song, I think. And, and that's what I try to instill in all my clients. Sure. You know, I don't think some of the, I don't think all the records I made are like sonically like the best. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think they were ever intended to be. I think they were, I think Butch Vig would say the same thing to you about Nevermind. I don't yes. think, 
you know, or Bob Rock would say, mm-hmm. you know, the Black Album, it didn't really matter. The Black Album was going to be the Black Album. Indeed, indeed. You know what I'm saying? No, like, very much. There was an emotional impact that you realized, and yeah. that that's your that's your meter in the end. It's not what what your you know the bits that you're moving or the electrical impulse is. What's that impact right here? That's it. That's your common nomenclature of everything right there. Like you got a band like Metallica coming off of Monsters of Rock and Justice for All, right? Right. And then they're going in the studio in Little Mountain Studios in Vancouver. And right. They're starting pre-pro with this guy named Bob Rock, who's in right. all these hair bands from Canada. Right. No one knows who the heck this guy is. And yep. Unless you're like me or a producer or engineer. And he's telling Lars what to play and Lars is looking at him like, well, you son of a bitch. Like I know how to play drums, but he wasn't telling him what to play because, because Lars didn't know how to play drums. He was telling him because he felt it was time for a band that had such a great loyal grassroots metal following Mm -hmm. to step it up into the commercial realm to not only make other people realize that, hey, man, nothing else matters is a really cool tune, you know, right, or right. wherever I may roam or, you know, Sandman or whatever. It's like yep. they, he, he saw and that's what a great producer does. He saw that it was time for for Kurt um, to come out of his shell as a guitar player. Yeah. You know, this mm-hmm. is a guy who took guitar lessons with Joe Cetriani, you know, yeah, in the Bay Area. And he saw like that junk, junk, junk. I mean, those those chords, that mm-hmm. richness, you know, the big drum room, the big mics, everything. Because every every Metallica record before that, minus Injustice, mm-hmm. um, which was kind of mixed by my good friend Steve Thompson, who was getting mm-hmm. yelled at by Lars constantly. Um <laughs> You should listen to the bass version of that record that Steve Thompson remixed, Justice for All. That was with Cliff, right? Or was that after Cliff uh, passed away? I think it was right after Cliff. Oh. I'm so sorry. So it was Jason. Jason, okay. Jason Newstead, I think, may have been on that. That Jason was Jason was Metallica, as far as I was concerned. Yep. I'm in the same boat. Same you know, story. that was te- terrible what happened. You know, I mean, but let's see. Look at look how fast. Look how fast the like stuff turns, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, twists. Very much. So make make music while you can, everybody, because you never know what tomorrow holds, really. Boy, what a message for everybody. You know? What a message for everybody. I mean, is life that bad? No, but life is life is meant to be uh, seized. Carpe diem. Si, senor. Or something like that. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Seize the seize the day. I mean, like, um, I I just feel like, you know, you asked me a question earlier about the business, you know, yeah. about COVID and all that stuff. And, right. You know, for musicians who are serious about what they do, get your butt in a big studio and experience it. And I'm not just saying that because mm-hmm. I I own one. Yep. If I didn't own one, I would still tell you to do it because there's something magical about getting in your car, getting excited, 
mm-hmm. having a vested interest financially, spiritually, physically, right. musically, right. kindness, whatever, the whole shebang. Mm-hmm. Indeed. There's something about it that is endearing. Yeah. It's endearing. It's just, it, 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 you'll never experience what you, you'll never find yourself if you don't like let someone help you find yourself musically. I just, that's, I'm a firm believer. Like, why did the Beatles use George Martin if they were so good? Right? He was their channel to a bigger, to a bigger soundscape. To a bigger spiritual scape. I mean, would the Beatles have been the Beatles without George Martin? I don't know. Mm. It's debatable whether they would have evolved the same way. I think he gave them. I mean, they were they were certainly astute songwriters, in my opinion. But there was something that they didn't. That I think on their own, they might not have transcended or made those quantum leaps every two albums after, like uh, oh. starting with Rubber Soul. Rubber Soul, yeah, totally. So I mean I mean I guess I guess I guess the point I'm making is is mm-hmm. like I love the Beatles. Okay. Yep. I love wings. I love anything, you know, anything from that era, you know, and um I just find it I find it very, very I almost think producers are spiritual guiders. You're a shaman in this cathedral in which you're conjuring yes. mysteries that are that eventually not not just to the ear, but to the heart. To the heart. Are you a YouTube fan? Yes, like, very much so. Okay. Like so do you like I get it. Like, do you like you ever watch like Midnight Special and stuff? Oh, like very that? much so. And the Burst Sugarman things and all the uh, yeah, from the early seventies all the time. You you enjoy that nostalgia, right? Very much so, deeply. And that's kinda like what I'm kinda saying on some level. I'm trying to get younger musicians now to find their nostalgia and unfortunately i'm sorry the Mm -hmm. early 2000s didn't create a lot of nostalgia for you but listen to your parents and your grandparents now you know you know have some respect for the art don't just walk into picasso's heart house and say hey pablo i'm taking this picture off the wall and i'm putting it in my kitchen do you mind like it i'll pay you later no it doesn't work that way you know, and um, you know it's crazy. I watch uh, Rick Beato a lot. You know, like, mm-hmm. and he's so informative. And you know, some people give him shit because he 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 speaks the obvious. Mm-hmm. But if he doesn't speak the obvious, sure. no one's going to speak about it. Exactly. Exactly. He's ta- said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's yeah. demystifying, but he's also celebrating that mystery. Of course, out of out of out of sheer love for music. Definitely. God forbid that we actually love something and we treat it with respect and kindness right. and mm-hmm. and we have a soul. Yeah. And and you know, I really gotta tell you, this like this conversation was really about a lot of things for me today. And and I appreciate you letting me be some sort of sounding board because I of think course. I needed it. Chuck Alcazian, producer and Motor City Sonic Wizard. Check out his recent collaboration with Mike Skill on his tremendous solo single, My Bad Pretty. Chuck, it's been a pleasure, and thank you for joining us. Best wishes and health to you and everyone in the Detroit music community. And, and I thank you, and uh, everyone out there, if you're listening to me, please be safe during COVID, and just take care of your little piece of your, your world, and just be cool. Yeah. I think, I think we'll all come out winners in the end if we just kind of keep our heads on straight.
You're listening to Rock at Night. The introductory song "Get On Down" is from blues artist Billy Billy Bass Alford. Look for his music at ReverbNation.com. <laughs> 